As we've very much covered, the release of Godzilla in 1954 ushered in a golden age of kaiju cinema. This lasted arguably into the 70s, at which point the genre was firmly established as a cult curio, you know, for weirdos like us, as opposed to big box office events and business. Of course, later kaiju films would be events on an individual basis, and yes, the recent US reimagining of Japan's most famous monster, they've done very well. Still, the genre definitively peaked in a consumerist sense. A symptom of this peak was endless imitation. Now we've covered Gamera, we even covered Polgasari and that dastardly X from outer space. Now we tackle a Japanese and ROK production between Kukdong Entertainment Company and Toei, yet another Japanese studio going after their Godzilla. 1967's Yongari, subtitled Monster from the Deep, is one of the most overt Godzilla copies out there. It is a structural mirroring of the established kaiju template, more so even than Gamera. It's from Korean director Kim Ki-duk, but not that Kim Ki-duk. Unless you think of Kim Ki-duk as this Kim Ki-duk, in that case, yes, this Kim Ki-duk. Makes sense? Anyway, it's a classic tale. We get some character-focused build-up, dominated by Quirk, and then a monster arrives, then it causes chaos, there's a national attempt to stop it, and it culminates in an ambitious foiling attempt that leaves the viewers with conflicted emotions. It does none of this as well as Godzilla, and maybe not well at all and definitively is aping the more monster-friendly tone of the campy Godzilla era, the post-King Kong versus Godzilla. But it's fine. It's a light-hearted romp that is one of our first kaiju rom-coms, but has attracted some criticism. Film historian Steve Rifle notes that the first appearance of Yongari is in Pamunjom, the location where the Korean Armistice Agreement was signed, thus ending the Korean War in 1953, which is interesting. Um, Rifle says that symbolically, you could say that the monster represents the South's fears in those days. It rises up from the ground in the place where the war stopped and resumes fighting, and it swoops down from the north to destroy the city of Seoul all over again. I'm quoting him directly there. Another critic, Korean scholar Kim Song-ho, noted that Yongri's attack on the government general building read as symbolic, a gesture from the Korean production team. He stated, in the point of view of the Korean crew, that might have kind of a double meaning, to crush the symbol of Japanese colonization by a Korean monster. When you consider this reading alongside a Korean reimagining of a Japanese genre, the film does become more interesting. But let's flash forward to 2007. We have Big Man Japan, a film from Hitoshi Matsumoto. Now, Matsumoto, commonly known as Matt-chan, is mostly known as a comedian and TV host. He is notably half of the comedy duo Downtown, with Masatsuki. Masatoshi Hamada. Big Man Japan was his first feature film and evidently comes from somebody of a comedy background. It is a ludicrous film about, well, a big man in Japan. This big man is a kaiju, but also a man. Yes, a giant monster who is just a giant man. He is grown by electricity because it's a kaiju film and then fights the monsters that are attacking Tokyo. The quality of the CG is somewhat rudimentary, but the way the creatures animate is actually really impressive and the art design is inspired. The way the CG monster fits in with real world backdrops is actually really fun. It's more superimposed figures moving through backgrounds that isn't the level of destruction you get from model heavy kaiju, but it's a specific aesthetic and it works. And there is some destruction and when it's there, it's, it's pretty good. 
why Big Man Japan is so interesting, it's definitely interesting, is that it's very much an ode to the golden age of kaiju. It is a sad film, a contemporary kaiju feature that reflects on the lowered status of kaijus in the 21st century. There's a mockumentary framing as we follow the king of pain, the man who can make himself into what is consistently referred to as a big Japanese man. The film is knowingly ludicrous, but gets a lot of mileage about recontextualizing kaiju tropes. When the King of Pain reflects on how things were, and we have some archival footage, fake obviously, of his big Japanese ancestors, the film has an odd resonance. It is an ode to a cinema that was, a cinema that doesn't fit today, because it's too big. This is only further emphasized by the jarring visuals, the abrupt CG against the contemporary backdrop. Our big man, even when small, talks of a previous generation when it made more sense. This is an interesting part where his father tries to raise him as a big man. Now, for me, this is a tonal low point of the actual film. It touches on child abuse territory that is unearned and abruptly embarked upon. Yet the wider metaphorical reading is really interesting. Now, if we see Big Man Japan as about kaiju cinema through the ages and its letter status now, now, this is further evidenced by a key concern for the film being the reduced viewing figures for the King of Pain's fights. We marvel at these kaiju battles, but in fiction, they're normalized. The film puts us in the wonderful position of being stunned that the public don't want to watch giant monsters battling it out. And then we realize that, yeah, yeah, actually that's true. The public have moved on. This is a great way of illustrating that. To return to his upbringing, the painful and unorthodox ways of bringing out his inner kaiju can be an analog for Toho's various attempts to bring back Godzilla in all kinds of forms and guises. An interesting connection. To continue the wider metaphor, the model and costume heavy finale of the film is wonderful. It feels like an acceptance of the cult and camp status of kaiju cinema as the film finds itself back in a comfortable and known aesthetic. We try to do something different, we try to push the kaiju into the present and wonder why it doesn't resonate. In the end, we fall back on what works, people in suits wrestling. In model cities, of course. It's a simple thrill, but it's a hell of a thrill. Anyway, let's get to the show. Welcome back to Ranking the Monsters. This is Calvin here with Stephen, as always. And uh, we have uh, two guests, uh, two additional guests this week. Uh, welcome back to the show, Jack. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. And for the first time, we're having our friend Ben on. Hello, everybody. Big man, Glad Ben. Be here. <laughs> Big, Big man, Ben. Big man, Ben. Um, so Ben is someone we've been trying to get on for a while, but he's, he's, he's a busy man and an important man. Um, so Ben is a kaiju fan, obviously. I'm not. Um, I'm not. Jack, I'm Jack is not. not. Jack not. actually yeah. hates kaiju. Um, just, they're too big, he says. Too big, these monsters. Um, but yeah, um, I'll give the floor to you, Ben. Do you want to give a little bit of a background about your, your history with the kaiju and I will say with Japanese cinema in general? Uh, sure. I, I think it makes most sense, I guess, to start with Japanese cinema more broadly, mm. um, which I didn't really get into until high school or late high school, which is not that long ago when I think about it. It's about six years ago. And I didn't really get into it and get into collecting Japanese films until probably halfway through my undergrad. And when I was first getting into movies, uh, I was just Googling lots of random things. And when it came to Japan, uh, the country's known to have a reputation for making a lot of batshit insane movies. And so I kind of just was Googling like weird Japanese movies or extreme <laughs> Japanese movies, especially because Tartan Asian Extreme was a popular distribution label. So I would just look up these movies uh, that introduced me to Takashi Miike, 
who is still one of my favorite directors, but I think I owe most of my interest in Japanese cinema today uh, to him. If it wasn't for his films, I don't quite know if I'd be as interested as I am now. And along all those Google searches, I had found Big Man Japan. And wildly (laughs) enough, wildly enough, I saw Big Man Japan before like any other Japanese kaiju film, including Godzilla. (laughs) So I'm I'm watching this this movie that uh, Stephen touched on brilliantly in in the intro is like a love letter to all things kaiju. And I had no (laughs) reference points and I was watching it and I was just I mean, it was spellbinding stuff for me. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. I think I love it, but I wasn't quite sure that I loved it. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward uh, to this past year, I got way more active on Letterboxd and everyone kind of enlisted me to create this challenge for Japanese cinema. And at the time, I felt like I, I wasn't that knowledgeable and hadn't seen that much, mm-hmm. uh, but I went for it anyways. Uh, Google was my friend again. I was just looking up all these important directors, reading stuff about them. Uh, and so then we got Japanuary uh, 2021. Mm. And it was a resounding success. Uh, the letterbox had highly profitable, like huge, <laughs> yes. huge amounts yes. of money. We are still dining out on the Japanuary success. Uh, if I could bring up anything to, I guess, illustrate how successful it was, the letterbox headquarters people. Uh, referenced it in an interview with Kiyoshi Kurosawa. They didn't reference my name, but they referenced my list. So, that <laughs> cool. um, and yeah, since then I've watched an absurd amount of Japanese films. Mm-hmm. I think I'm over like 350 for the year. Uh, and a lot of those include kaiju films. Um, yes. I- I've watched all of the Gamera films and a good chunk of the Godzilla films. And since then, I've returned to Big Man Japan <laughs> with <laughs> reference points. And I have to say, it, I, can, I can officially say I love it after watching all of these other kaiju movies. I, I think there is a long history that people watching like a spoof of a thing, not realizing like even Big Man yep. Japan is more than a spoof of that. And then going back, I think it happens like most commonly of The Simpsons of like, you go like, oh, that was a, a reference to this. I had no idea. It's really interesting that it that it does hold up separately from. So I think it is, it's not just um, pure kaiju homage. It's not just pastiche. It's its own like weird drama that is only accentuated mm. by that wider context. But yeah, that's a weird entrance point for that movie. Absolutely ridiculous. Gosh. <laughs> What a first um, uh, kaiju, really. Yeah. <laughs> He's set the bar very high there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> set, the, uh, set the bar very sort of like in a very strange region of cinema. Like You're never going to see anything like yeah. Big Man Japan again, really. Well, it's such a special case, too. Like It, it kind of sits outside anything we've already covered in it's, it's peculiarity, big. which is uh, something that we've touched on a few times, is we like personality and peculiarity in these yeah. kaijus. I think its nearest contemporary would be Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys covered that one yet? Oh, we have. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I have an unofficial list that ranks it. Oh, man. <laughs> I haven't allowed it in the real list, although uh, no. Big Man Japan, of course, will be allowed. So Good, 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 good. Um, so speaking of Big Man Japan, Yongri. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we all watched it and thought we uh, had less than nothing to say about it i mean it's a pretty uh it's the most like basic template kaiju i've seen in our listing mm. so far 
I was amazed that I could find two pieces of actual criticism about this movie <laughs> that gave a slightly like interesting thing. And it's very telling that the most interesting thing is two locations in the film. And like that that's the amount of thematic depth they could like glean out of this film is like, oh, oh, that takes place there on that building, I guess, could be important. But the rest of the text of the film has like no impact on any of that. But yes, two of its locations are symbolically important. There you go, younger. And you wouldn't pick up on that. I mean, like symbolically, no. they're important, but like <laughs> not they're not—they're not textually important, like in a way that the movie's examining these locations as like important spaces. But <sighs> yeah, it's—it's yeah. it's not a good sign when one of the most interesting things about the movie is that the director shares a name with a controversial <laughs> director. <laughs> yeah, a much more uh, significant <laughs> controversial director who we've all enjoyed. Did we lose Stephen here? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says convincingly. Um, I don't know. I feel we should give um, Yongri a, a little bit of props. I mean, I actually, we have a lot of conversation about like the beginnings of kaiju films and like the distance to monster. And I always like to, to note down how long until the monster is. So you've got it. This is a 23 minute, um, 25 actually, sorry, until you actually get Yongri appearing. And that 25 minutes is the film in its most Gamera-esque, I would say. Um, where, but it's, I think, as, as Ben has pointed out in his writing about it, that it is never quite as good as Gamera, um, but definitely is trying to ape it. Um, but in this bit, I, I do like the odd kind of like faux. It, it reminds me of a Regency era drama in like some of the setting of this movie, in that so much of the beginning is like a Jane Austen novel with about like fortuitous pairings and like who would be better with somebody else. And you have this like very prim and proper soundtrack that is so unbefitting to what it actually is. And you have like, a wedding ruined by an evil reflecting light. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, this is a kaiju movie. Fantastic. So I do like all that stuff. I like that you've got this kid called Itcho, who's an itcher that makes things itch. I like Itcho the itcher a lot. That stuff's really enjoyable. But I also note down in my notes that the first 15 minutes of the film just feels like two acts of a movie. Like there is so much <laughs> compressed into here. Speed so running it. Yeah, they just speed run through the mm. interesting bit and they go, uh, we paid for the monster, put the monster on screen. <laughs> one, of the, one of the kaiju films was like because it's just not very good kaiju film the destruction is no. very cheap looking like they're not very good at keeping Yongari in frame like he's bigger no. than the frame sometimes and is occasionally just like behind a building rather than crashing he's like oh is that is that younger oh, oh there he is he's over there um and just the way he rises up the way he goes down i like that he dances him dancing is fun so there's like some fun and personality at the very beginning and the very end and then it's just like you guys like godzilla huh it's one of those where they do get to show the kaiju enough, but uh, the more they show him, the less I care about him. He looks cool. He looks cool because he looks like a Gamera villain. He's mm. like the kind of like rubbery kind of like playground aesthetic with his like cool horn. I like his horn. He's got like a little spike on his nose. He's cute. He's one of the cutest monsters. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, his interaction with the kid is probably a high point in mm. the film for me. Although, yeah, the, the kid is way less cool than the kids from the Gamera films. Um, Apart from in Gales, where the kid sucks, obviously, but yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like Yongri, like he's he's a cool monster that deserves mm. a better movie. Like if someone or, were to say that they were going to remake or, or uh, go back to Yongri and make a new film around him, yeah. I would be interested. But this was uh, just guys. Like, Boring. Breaking well, news. There's a Breaking news. One, I think. There, there is definitely another version of this film. There yeah. is. 
late 90s i i haven't got around to watching it yet i was looking I was at going to for this podcast prep but yeah it looks um it looks fun i don't know how it's going to be it might be like um uh, uh the x from outer space when they did a, do the, that sequel we'll probably yeah i think that'd be a good 1998 2008 uh combo but that looks wild. But yeah, um, Yongri is just very sort of budget store brand version of Godzilla. It's a very cheap cash in. Mm. There is a cheap and cheerful nature to everything, and you know its own sort of backyard sandbox aesthetic that I've talked about on, on previous episodes that I like. Yeah. Where it's just, it just looks like you know a p- bunch of people are using an empty lot to make a monster movie. But it does really lack that sort of structural charm that most of the other kaiju films that you guys have discussed seem to implement. Almost a total I, counter to Big Man Japan, which is all <laughs> personality and size, and you know, like yeah, yeah, the Earth. Man. yeah. The, the men in this are small; like one of them is a child. Um, yeah. So, as always, I noted down just things that I found hilarious in the movie. So, I'm going to rattle through some things that are really okay. funny. Um, there was an early line which seems to be like ribbing on, like this isn't Godzilla, but it it ribs on it in a way that makes no sense at all because they they have an earthquake, and someone says, "I thought earthquakes were just in Japan." <laughs> which is the most yeah i wondered way. about that it's like sorry what um and i get they're trying to be like this isn't just a japanese thing now we've got a godzilla but just like this ain't your daddy's that. godzilla it's like this earthquake is defying every natural law what is going on here and then you catch the un you're like oh it's a kaiju movie so that's amazing <laughs> also does that thing where 10 minutes before Yongari arrives, everyone's like, should we bring up the myth of Yongari? Has anyone heard of the myth of Yongari? Has anyone heard of the myth of Yongari, Yongari? And there's like, oh crap, Yongari's here in the most like contrived entrance ever. So we were talking about him 10 minutes ago. Fantastic. That stuff is all great. And what should be the best bit of the movie? This is telling if it's not very good. Is you see him walk up to a temple, you're like, yes, Yongari's gonna smash a temple. And he goes to smash it, jump cut, helicopter. You're like, okay. That temple, that temple model's too expensive to destroy, okay? We need to use that again. <laughs> That's the feeling the whole way through. And as Calvin pointed out earlier in some messages, like, he's got the Godzilla fire breath, but you can see the tube in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's like like shots to avoid it. You get, like, some, like, straight-on shots. Just like, I like it because it's, like, center of his throat. There's no more room for him to breathe. He has to breathe through the oh, fire tube, obviously. So great. Yeah. So, so, so great. Um, and then it does, again minutes until this the rodan thing at the end where it's just like i can't believe we had to kill this monster that was killing everybody um ah oh, sympathy the monsters younger gone too soon what a hero <laughs> well he's uh, back uh, in the I... 90s back and bigger than ever he's yeah. gonna be wearing like a no fear cap he's gonna be wearing like, a <laughs> tunes wrap t-shirt he's gonna be wearing tiny shorts it's gonna be great well yeah, and the, i the... feel like I, we we should also talk about how um the original version of the film, at least from what I gathered, has been lost. Mm. So yeah. you you mm. have to watch the dubbed version, yeah. which for me personally, actually, like, I think ruined any chances of me like immersing myself in that world. Um, I'm not like seriously. against I'm not against dubs at all, but like I don't prefer them, and mm. especially in a live action setting, I definitely don't prefer them. Uh, it just made everything awkward in the movie wasn't quite like funny enough to make that awkwardness work either yeah no i i agree like there are some things but like the hilarious dub is part of it and this almost gets there but the film is not quite terribly bad in a funny way enough right. to really pull it off it's this strange middle ground being like a lot of this just isn't very good and some of it is fine and occasionally they say that earthquakes only happen in japan and that's hilarious <laughs> um, and exactly. apart from that the movie's not very good 
Yeah, I was introduced to Yongri a couple of years ago because uh, on uh, when Netflix picked up one of my favorite comedy shows, Mystery Science Theater, mm. Yongri uh, was chosen to be uh, riffed on. So people that don't know Mystery Science Theater, they choose quote unquote bad old movies, the screen in a theater, and they you know they make jokes over them. And so that was how I first saw Yongri, thinking the dub was just you know the silly dub that they got. Um, just for that Netflix episode when that's the only one that exists anymore. Yeah. So I was looking. I was genuinely looking forward to watching it. You know, riff removed from riffs and jokes and sit- taking it as a sincere piece of kaiju action cinema. But um, yeah, the dub sort of brings it down just a, just a notch. I mean, it's not good anyway. It's not great anyway. But like the the sort of poor dub just takes it down a sec. It's almost the worst case for me when it's just totally inoffensive and it's middle of the road. Like, I don't have anything that's like a high note on Yongari. I don't have anything that's so low that it's detrimental to like the overall effect of the movie. Like, there's just this middle of the road kaiju movie. And I think the worst case is saying, okay, but this is average. Like, this isn't going to excel any of Mm. my expectations I could have. But uh, Mm. it's it's not what I want. I want a either miserable movie or a (laughs) <laughs> something quirky and interesting enough like big man japan yes so speaking of big man japan big man so japan, big so, so big. big um what a big it was really yeah. interesting um it is as alluded to earlier so it's like a it's i don't know if, have any of you seen troll hunter yeah no i've, I've not i've not troll hunter i believe it either. is similar to that in that it takes on like utterly bizarre kind of like mythological or folkloric thing and then makes like a kitchen sink kind of like realist documentary about it which is a structure that i always really enjoy um that sense of i, I like the structure here a lot because yes the film is called big man japan but i like for like the first 10 minutes it's just you're just watching this dude go around who is so clearly uninteresting and unimportant and occasionally because we were talking about him you're like why does anyone care about this person and then it just like structurally and like i don't know formally just becomes something else as you see the first like big man japan sequence and it has that great retext i remember being like ah i go people care about this man now very interesting and contextualizing a kaiju as like first what is it like to be a kaiju is really interesting Um, and i think it explores that quite nicely and then what if kaiju was boring (laughs) it's also really interesting to me of just like day-to-day like social realist issues of just like living day-to-day outside of the movies it's just a fun new perspective it's been like yeah i'm sorry (laughs) like my wife's leaving me i like my kids she doesn't want to be in the movie like that stuff's really fun to me it's a really interesting film at first i was thinking okay this movie's something but uh as i kept watching it it grew in my estimation in my heart I think uh, the closer I got to the big man, Japan, and like Stephen saying, just like sitting with him and feeling like his emotions I uh, in his everyday life, I felt like like in that mundanity, I found something to really love there. Um, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. And that was what was so funny about it being my first kaiju film and the reasoning behind it mm-hmm. um, is because I went into it expecting this very like I don't want to say action-packed thing, but Mm. insane thing. And the first 15 minutes or so completely, you know, subverted my expectations. It's like you're just following this interesting but kind of boring guy. Did anyone Um, else not like it at first? Yeah, I'm I'm team Calvin here. Um, sorry, Jack is back with us. Um, At the beginning, I I found the structure, like, immediately quite jarring um, of the sense of this random voice from off screen 
um, that just like kept commenting on things. I feel the mockumentary stuff is very much earned towards the end and becomes really, really interesting. It gets really um, cool. Yeah, I became very interested. But uh, the very beginning, I was just like, I was huh? out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it took I, I would a lot to reel me in. I would agree. It. it you're not immediately drawn into what's going no, on. But then it, that's no. eventually really interesting. But yeah, at the, sa- at the same time, I think like it, the movie's almost playing the long game and there's like mm. a payoff to it. Like, I think that's why upon revisiting it, not just because I've seen other kaiju films, but I think that is another reason why I liked yeah. it more because I knew what to expect. And so once I knew exactly what it was going for and had all these reference points, I was like, this is actually kind of genius but in hmm. in a totally like unexpected way I, I also have a lot of appreciation for films that can i mean i think there's value in boredom of films like using boredom and i don't think films have to be quote unquote good all the time but they can like use those intermediate space obviously like at your far end is like a gene dealman which like is is the apotheosis of that but then mm. like this idea of it's going to be a bit dull and yeah if you were to ask someone 10 minutes in i'm into this movie you're like well no not really but then the rest of the movie needs that dullness at the beginning for it to work so using it structurally i think is really fascinating to me and i think ultimately did work though i i do have some issues with the film as alluded to i think the tone is a problem um when it goes to more of the hard-hitting dramatic stuff for myself cost me for others i was just like i don't want this to be here in this movie i don't think this works very well but the stuff that's more about him and his family in the present day i think is really really quite nice because it's it's linked to this kind of like the sweet humor of the film i don't know what a, a variance on that is um, I, I wasn't off put by, by the same things, but I, I didn't love them as much either. Mm. I definitely enjoyed the present day stuff more. Um, although the stock footage stuff that I, I think is hilarious. Oh, I think that's great. great. It's that's good. Um, and yeah, I, I think some of the stuff wasn't totally tasteful maybe, it, but it's also like, I've watched so many Japanese films, especially comedy films and I always just yeah. have to wonder, like, does this land better there than it does here? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been to Japan. I haven't lived there, but it definitely to a Western audience. I was like, maybe this stuff was funny when this movie came out, but definitely mm. not now. Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie, Ben, you might know it for me. There's a um, uh, beat Takeshi movie that I watched a comedy of his in an earlier one. Was it I the getting any the name of that very much reminded me of this in its, Yes, that's it. Getting any the mm-hmm. um, in its more madcap moments, fell of this, and I had the same thing of being like, some of this I find very, very funny. The rest of this I recognize as humor. I recognize humor is happening. It's not <laughs> happening to me. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, this is a humorous moment. I get it. However, eh. but this one doesn't skew fully into comedy. Like, it is, it is a, it is a drama of comedic elements, um, and the the comedy is more from it being just like ridiculous. Um, mm. It is from it just being jokes. It's not a joke movie. That's why I guess I thought it would be looking at like the cover and the premise of it and mm-hmm. uh, all the talk about it. Initially, I thought it would just be absurdist kaiju shit most of the movie, but uh, yeah. that's not what it is. I mean, it's often it's the inverse of that. And I think I had to learn to appreciate mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. take the movie for what it was instead of what I thought it would be, because I was really taking it like it would be its poster, the whole movie. Do you think it's like a victim of films becoming gifable? Dare I say, of like this is a film where I've like seen little bits of. Um, there are moments, yeah. You highlight yeah. the absurdities of these, you know, incredibly 
strange monsters. And what is a kaiju? What is a kaiju monster? What is a kaiju movie without a swarm of ridiculous monsters to beat up? And I think this this movie for me takes the cake in terms of the most impressively unique. Mm. Uh, character designs definitely drawing from sort of Japanese anime of the 90s and things moving forward maybe a bit of um, like Jinji Ito in terms of manga and just incredibly crazy sort of almost Lovecraftian beings that our our big haired man big man Japan is gonna beat down on they remind me of like Dreamcast games like if they were going to design a character for a Dreamcast game that's what Sega would have done I mean, one of them looks like a thing you could make in Spore, like the, yes. like, like the one that's just like a leg coming out of the head. Like that era of 2000s. Like early 2000s, like random character creation design. It's uh, mm. really good stuff. It's Spore yeah. meets like Neon Genesis Evangelion <laughs> in like a nightmare in an aisle Which is of the movie Zoros. you want to watch? That's right? what it is. <laughs> what a movie can be described as Which Spore is, this is why, Eva. yeah, when I when I think of Big Man Japan, these are the things I remember. It is these these crazy moments. It is, as Stephen put, the sort of gifable moments of this movie. The real selling point is just these absurdities and these, <laughs> these wacky, wacky designs done in this like very middle of the road cgi sort of plastic visual aesthetic that you really have to adjust to at times i showed a clip to my brother earlier i said i'm I'm talking about this movie on a podcast later and he said this is the ugliest thing i've ever seen (laughs) but the animation really confused me though because like it you look at it and it looks bad it looks it it Mm. reminds me when did final fantasy spirits within come out run that uh 2000s, early 2000s. <laughs> I don't know why I've asked that. Sorry. Because um, <laughs> I, I was I watched the Animatrix recently. Um, and the Animatrix, if you remember, if you've watched it, opens with a, with a sequence that at the time was very impressive and now looks terrible, which is the final flight of the Osiris, which is the um, 3D tech. And it was the... Because Square Enix, this is so boring, I apologise. Square Enix like, spent a load of money making a Final Fantasy movie and they were doing this like digital reality thing and no one saw it. Roger Ebert really liked it. He also really liked this movie. Um, he gave us one 3.5 out of uh, four, which is really interesting. They had a quote about it that it's like lo- like darkly ludicrous. I forget, but interesting. Um, so they made this really expensive movie that almost bankrupted the company um, to the extent that the next game had to be profitable and luckily it was. Um, and the only other thing that used that tech was this random animatrix thing. And that's the only time it came up again when like animation could have been different because it looks really, really cool. And this looks like that, but when it's not in an animated film, it looks really strange. When there are just the creatures by themselves, there is like a, a realism to them that's compelling. And I like kind of like the skin detail on, our, on the King of Pain looks great, but then they just don't look real at all. But then weirdly, they move really impressively. Like the way that they actually, the animation isn't good. But the way mm. they animate, the way they move is really cool. So they've got, obviously, they don't have the tech and the money. They've got some talented people that really have thought about how do these monsters operate in real space. Sure, I think the, the, ideas, the ideas that are presented are great. And I don't think, you know, maybe it's maybe it's budget constraints. Maybe mm. it's the technology at the time in the mid-2000s. Um, would we want to see a, a George Lucas version of Big Man Japan when they <laughs> did the animation to you know 2021 standards? And what would that even look like? Would that even work outside of 2007? Which is, I, I, and I like that it's one of those films that it makes me want to read it thematically, even if it's not trying to have that sense of being like, I do like that the visuals are weirdly jarring and that the film is ultimately about jarring sensibilities and things belonging to the past. The fact that the monsters don't quite fit in with the world around it 
really tells a nice story about not fitting in with the world around it, which is kind of what is the story of the King of Pain. And I love that he's just called the King of Pain for no real reason. He's not really a king and doesn't do that much pain, <laughs> but why not? And I like stupid things like when he defeats the monster, I guess like some they, almighty deity just decides to fight his over <laughs> and yeah. they ascend up, which is just glorious. Though I will say the one, like there's a really good moment towards the end where his grandpa arrives. And I love his grandpa's arc um, throughout the film. I love the relationship they have. And I like, I really like when his grandpa first escapes from, from I was about to say prison, um, escapes from the home in which he's in. And you have this really great montage of newspaper scenes of you see him just existing in the real world, just leaning against stuff. And then you see footage in the newspaper of just like the damage where he's just been walking, this idea that this, that this person existing is damaged for other people. And that's really interesting. And then he comes in at the end and it saves his grandchild and then dies in an actually quite emotional moment. And then just spoil with just this little joke, there's this little joke and really horrible sound effect that just really scuppered a moment for me in a way that was really, really disappointing for myself. I guess uh, I'm still... Uh... I'm jealous of Ben that it was his first kaiju, but I'm still missing context that I think Jack has, which is I've never seen Ultraman. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I'd want to talk about this because I think my personal favorite part of the movie is the ending and that sort of last 10 minute sequence where it, it transcends this weird uh, 2007 animation style and goes into what we all know and love, which is just people in suits hitting each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so the director, um, in an interview, said he, he Matsumoto himself grew up on shows like Ultraman and Kamen Rider, Giant Robo. These, um, it's uh, Tokusatsu is a live-action science fiction shows, serials, and movies which are you know science fiction based and use these models and big dudes in big suits and cheap rubber aliens to knock about. And it's definitely sort of alluding towards that at the end how um even though we have this 2007 technology and we're making this film it is it's great to appreciate the past and it's great to look back to the past in terms of you know filmmaking and getting together and messing up with (laughs) big rubber toys i like the ending i like the ending a lot i like Mm. it It, it, it's separately i think i'm not sure if i'm a huge fan of just like it in the context of the wider movie. Um, mm. It's a thing that I think I can talk around and make make sense, but I actually think that in my viewing of it, it's been like, okay, this is the thing we're doing now. I also think it just like, it's there are a lot of moments in this film which I really, really like, in theory, more than I do in practice, being like, that's conceptually really, really cool, but the way it's right. been pulled off, eh. But ultimately, I do like it a lot. And I think the ending of things like, I like this in theory a lot, and in practice, it's not as interesting as I want it to be. Um, but it's such a cool moment. And for me, it crystallizes what the film is about, which is the idea of being like, kaiju are a special thing that belonged in the past. And that's kind of okay. It's kind of okay mm. that kaiju are campy and silly. They don't need to be serious. They don't need to be social realists. They can just be kaiju films. And that's really cool. It's almost about the technology as well, like how mm. um, how we can't really make kaiju films that feel like kaiju films in this 2000 sort of uncanny yeah. valley effect animation with this the masking technology and you know relatively cheaper animation it has to be dudes in suits this is what it all boils down to is this is why people love this um sort of strange pocket of cinema it is yeah. the uh the tactility of everything it is the physicality um, it's real people, it's real light touching real things, causing real shadows, and it looks amazing. And they've got just giant newspapers, <laughs> giant newspapers <laughs> which makes the least sense, but it's wonderful. And I do like the bit when the guy just like picks up just like 
a clearly model bus and it's so divorced from like human impact at that point it's like bam just gonna throw a bus at you which is wonderful and the monsters though that's things we are the ranking of mods because monsters podcast i think it, we should talk about the monsters um which are so something so <laughs> they, i mean oh there's the devil monster there's devil baby <laughs> I love devil devil baby monster. there's like i love devil slightly baby. split squid fish stink monster I mean, stink monster with, 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 oh, i know he, he I wrote down his name because it's utterly ridiculous strange <laughs> flavor monster <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of phallic stuff going on. With a these lot monsters. of phallic oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 The, the, the eyeball one. one. Yeah, oh, the God. Eyeball the eyeball one. is so good. So that was eyeball. like a creature from Small Soldiers. So I was immediately like, this guy. I <laughs> and love again, this eyeball, dude. eyeball Monster is the most spore thing ever made. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. It's like, let's take let's take a feature from a face and strap it to a limb. And mm. that's your monster done. <laughs> well, and I think the creature design is like really what allows you to kind of forgive some of the mm. the, the shady animation and stuff yes. like if, if these weren't inspired designs we would never buy in but like whoever came up with these i mean i don't i don't have any way to describe them but i'm thankful and like mm. jack and i actually watched together and when you see that mm. first towering kaiju that like flips his comb over hair haircut like on his head <laughs> we so were all, we were just like this is great like why would they do this but yeah, i'm so glad that they did <laughs> to go back to earlier when Be you guys were talking about the first sort of like 15 20 minutes and you mm. were umming and ahhing as to what this was even going to be that was definitely me and ben was just sort of like kind of nudging me like you, you, you wait because I Ben knows me and Ben knows that I love the absurd and the stupid and the ridiculous and that is kind of what this film like gets what? to in parts <laughs> it's about big man Japan it's he's big Oh, he's okay. big. Yeah. He's from Japan. I think that's uh, why I needed, wants... I needed a nudge there as well. Uh, <laughs> once... me along. Oh, you know, I got once this album through being like, it's I'm not sure I like this film. And I'm like, okay, let's oh. hold on, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the monsters, though, to, to, get, to get back to this point again, we love getting back to points. Like that sense of, I, I agree with you so much, Ben. Like their design is, is just so good. And, and that is enough. Like the aesthetics of a film can be the, the substance of a film because realistically, the actual fights themselves aren't that great. They don't find much to actually do with them. They can't do that much with them because of limitations, but it doesn't matter because they're really, they focus on what they can do and that's showcase these monsters and let them do cool things. So it's just eyeball monster, just like pulling his phallic eyeball out of the water. That's not actually that impressive, but it's a cool thing for the monster they've designed. Um, and I do like that fight because they actually think about these monsters and they all have issues. So all of them are built around here's this monstrosity that shouldn't exist. And what's its issue when it starts to exist? Like the first one um, has these arms that wrap around and pick up. And its issue is once that gets severed, it's useless. And the second one is this like leg with just a face. And it just gets stuck between two buildings and it just can't exist anymore. And the third one is eyeball on a phallic thing that just spreads out tentacle eyeball thing. And when you realize that that's actually how it sees this monster is actually again kind of useless so i do like that they have these things of achilles heels and the way they're defeated is like this thing shouldn't exist and can barely exist in the world and they kind of like destroy themselves like they, they, they end themselves yeah. with their own inanity and monstrousness because big man japan looking at pain is, is not a great dude he's not very good at being up kaiju at all <laughs> i mean you say it's not that impressive for him to get his uh, eyeball back from the water but i say i say you try getting your 
Uh, I've all yeah, let's see you try, in. Stephen. Yeah. I bet you would like to see that. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, there on. are some monsters okay. here, and they're uh, they're pretty incredible monsters, variety wise. <gasps> we didn't mention the baby. Oh yeah. Oh, the baby. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm scared to mention the baby. It mm. is horrendous, but I love <laughs> but I love it. Oh yeah, baby baby moment does more in 10 minutes than Rodan does in 90 minutes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> in terms of sympathy for a creature that dies instantly. Jesus Christ. So yeah, he finds um so the one thing I will say is unlike unlike Ben, I have been to Japan. Um, so like this being in places that I've been to is really cool. Like the Shinjuku Towers, like, oh that's that Akihabara at the beginning. I was like, oh, I've been there. I didn't remember it being thrown around when I was there, but that, that was cool. It wasn't being suplexed. Um, but they, they find this, he just finds this baby, just looks up at him, is like, mother, which is inherently hilarious, and then just starts to wean off from him, then just bites down his nipple, he drops it, just dies. Just like great, just like gallows humor cut and then bam yep. funeral whatever and just decides this amazing <laughs> singing of amazing grace they decide they just like love the baby and again it's this great moment of like yeah kaijus don't care think about kaijus any reason bam that bit beautiful just the the part where big man japan becomes a mother was so touching to me um the way he <laughs> kind of grimaces as it's like sucking on his teeth and uh just kind of <laughs> makes a uh, strange facial expressions uh, his face kind of contorting in and out and then just shock as it the baby bites that really beautiful moment. That's just parenthood. You know, if that big, doesn't big sell everyone, nipples. if that doesn't sell everyone on this movie, I don't <laughs> know what will. I guess all right, now let's get, let's be honest. Clifford didn't work because like the idea of a dog being too big was was not an inherent premise. A man being too big, it turns out, is just a great premise. And it's just what if Big Man Japan was like red? Red. What if he was red? Yeah. <laughs> You're saying it's a communist? Um, yeah, I will watch. I will watch communist Big Man Japan. I would. I definitely would. Um, every day. Um, yeah, real good movie. Has anyone got anything that I haven't mentioned in the Big Man Japan before we um, stack these up? I have one thing I'd like to add, and okay. I think Calvin might be able to contribute a little bit, and I know that Jack will. Well, I feel um, already left out, but thank you. One day you will be able to. But when I when I watch Big Man Japan, I watch another movie that is perhaps kaiju adjacent, and I feel like they share some similarities, that being oh, yeah. The Calamari Wrestler by <laughs> Minoru Kawasaki. And, and Calvin has seen another film from that director called Monster Seafood, wars which i'm pretty sure was one of the most miserable <laughs> film experiences he's ever had but i am a huge fan of the calamari wrestler and and the way that these films are connected is that you have you have these creatures that are they're suffering like real life issues and i think big man japan does that wonderfully mm. not just with the family stuff but i thought like the sponsorships Oh, or the advertising that. That was, yeah i, I think so that good. is genius it's hilarious they're trying to find like what ads they can put on his back for these fights and stuff um and then even like he's so big that like birds are getting murdered and like wires are getting torn <laughs> down everything like i think that that is 
hilarious. And the movie even goes it's... so far as to show you how he gets into his shorts, which yeah, I that, also that think is so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so his existence, his existence is hard. His existence yeah. is hard. You just have to, you know, you guys have never been a kaiju like me and Big Man Japan have, okay? <laughs> you, t- you, you walk several miles in my large shoes. Big man Jack Pan, yeah. And, and um, it, it's it's that the it's that everyone around it or around this big man acts like it's just normal. Like that it's just a part of their lives too. And I think that really I don't know, it just sells it for me. And yeah. maybe maybe the Kawasaki films like Kalamari Wrestler and Monster Seafood Wars don't do it as well. But like no, they don't. I don't know. There there is something <laughs> <laughs> there is something I don't know, charming about it to me. It mm. just works. I mean, linked to that, I do love that one of the key points is that he just wants the monsters to return to the suburbs. It's such a great <laughs> idea. He's just like, oh, could you just leave? I like his weariness being like, just go back to the suburbs. I like this idea that, because again, it's it's these little like genre literate jokes of, you're right, monsters only count when they're attacking cities. Now, as soon as they're out of the city, no one cares. It's like, mate, Go to the suburb. You can be, be big around there. No one cares. And I like that he tells them off for being too big as well. The um, flavor, strange flavor monster. <laughs> the sponsorship stuff is great because there's that one point where he goes, he's trying to fight for his life and then he covers up the sponsorship by accident. He's told not to. And this may be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure the first sponsor visual he had in his chest, when they go to the zoo later and they put their head in the thing, looks just like the thing on his chest as well. So I think that was a little thing for you big man Japan fans there. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm glad as a final note before we go into rank these that you uh, compared it to my least favorite kaiju movie of all time, uh, Monster Seafood <laughs> Wars. I'm sure that will help your cause here. Oh, <laughs> uh, Calamari Wrestler, though. Check out right. Calamari Wrestler. I don't I do even love Calamari it. Wrestler, but I, right. Ben's love for it makes me want to rewatch it. Don't watch oh. Kaiju Mono. That's well, another one. Well, and also, don't, don't watch Eki's um, Executive Koala. That's not good either. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, good. I can't I not watch a film called Executive Koala. Title <laughs> alone has me hooked. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna have to usher you into our little um, uh, reception area. So, if you two would like to choose yourselves, um, we have like um, this way. Yeah, okay. size of pro- yeah. No, no, that's the exit. Um, yeah, oh, if you go oh, there. What's behind that door? Oh no, no. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big we- dog. That's a big red dog. <laughs> So, um, all right, the ranking then, Calvin. Um, now that those two are out, let's say we really think about them. Oh, these movies, they suck. Um, yeah. uh, so... Monster Seafood War. Uh, let's just yeah. let's never rank it. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay, uh, want me to read through what we have uh, so far? Yeah. Our first 10? It's a good looking list. It's a really yeah. good looking list. It's really coming together. We have a, a nice top 10. Um, sure hope nothing happens to it. I don't know, actually. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Number one, Godzilla, 1954. Two, Gamera vs. Giron. Three, Mothra vs. Godzilla. Four, The Extra Matter Space. Five, The Host. Six, Gamera the Giant Monster. Um, seven, Gamera vs. Virus. Uh, eight, Pulgasari. Nine, Mothra. And ten, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Yeah, then we're into just the dross, like films that no one cares about, like Pacific yeah. Rim, <laughs> um, Rodan, Invasion of Astro Monster, Diamond Jim, Cloverfield, Gamera versus Geos, no idea what that is, um, Gamera versus Baragon, appears to be in the wrong place, but fine, um, The Great Yokai War, Guardians, Godzilla Raids again, Mysterians, 
Godzilla, Varen, Clifford the Big Red Dog, uh, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters um, is our official ranking. Official. You're going to do that every episode, aren't you? The Clifford the Red, Big Red Dog. I didn't, I didn't say that. You must have. That must be you that said that. This is, is this what gaslighting is? Is what, um, Hey, now. Okay. So <laughs> how do we feel? Let's, uh, okay. let's get into the ranking. Let's do All right. Let's, let's put Yongri first. I feel like the way to do it is always like, where do we place it? What's a, all right. Is Yongri in the top 10? No. 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 Absolutely okay. not. So, I mean, is Yo- let me just add Yongri to the list. Yongri, it's so far below Clifford. Um, okay. <laughs> it's not below Clifford. So. Okay. It's better than Clifford. All right. Um, how does Yong? All right. I think here's a question, actually. How does Yongari compare to Godzilla Raids again? Fine. I mean, I think it's inoffensive, right? I think Yongari is uh, mediocre. It's it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that low, does it? Um, um. Yeah, but then okay. So therefore, above above Godzilla Raids again, we have um, Yoko War Guardians, which I really like. Um, I I'm not sure yeah. it's a great kaiju movie. Um, and then we've got our two Gamera's and then Cloverfield. Cloverfield's been a really good like um, dividing point for us. Do you want to put Yongari above or below Cloverfield? Overfield think, or belowfield? I think we go below, don't you? Cloverfield. Yeah, no, I agree. I think as always, it's the, the bits in that are more interesting than the bits in this. Yes, um, the kaiju stuff too, like the holding back yeah. and what it does with the kaiju contextually mm-hmm. better. So I think now, it's between Gaius and Baragon, right? Like, I think... Okay. Possibly even between those two. It's fine. I think that works nicely. Yeah. All right. We'll put, we'll put Yongri there. Yeah, that works. So Yongri at 17, 17. Um, below yeah. Gaius, but above Baragon. Um, I'm sure everyone will be very pleased with that. I mean, I didn't get to insult Gaius as much as I wanted to, but never mind. Um, all right. Big Man Japan. Before Godzilla 1954. First place. Um, I mean, should we just start there I mean, and move it if you want, down? Okay, yeah, start there and go down. It's not as this may surprise you, it's not as good as Godzilla. No surprise. I, I mean, I understand, I understand yeah. what you're saying and why you say that about the movie. Yeah, it's it no Gamera than, versus Gear. No, it's not, it's not as good as Mothra versus Godzilla no. either. It's it no might be better from X from Outer Space, um, honestly. Hmm, I. Let's well. Let's have the host Jack conversation. Is praying, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them. They're out of the room. Um, I I would like. I think. All right. If we see the host and Big Man Japan as both like deconstructive looks at the kaiju genre of like, let's do it in a weird way um, and make it like tangentially about like, what makes them both work is kaiju films are usually about kaiju doing one thing, like appearing, destroying a city, and then either disappearing or being killed. And I like those two films. Go. What if we made a different narrative? but we made it around a kaiju premise. So those are really interesting to me. They're very different films, but very like similar MO. Um, I would put Big Man Japan above the first camera. Definitely. Okay. Uh, we're looking at like the kaiju parts and like the significance of monsters in the story and how it yeah. handles it differently, even if it's taking a, a formal approach that isn't always that connected to the action. Yeah. It's not, it's not always as interesting as it's, best moments right but no i agree but its best moments are better than anything in camera one possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no i i would agree so would you put it above or below the host as not as a movie but as a ranking the monsters kaiju movie we need our friend vaughn to come back right we we can't just 
but he's not allowed to rank. I, Vaughn can can go. No, no, no Vaughn <laughs> ranking. I don't care. I don't care what Vaughn has to say at all. <sighs> I'm the host now. You're thinking of spoiling that friendship. Um, yeah, hey, that was a plug. Uh, I, I'd put it above the host. I can do this. I, I'm fine with it. All right, I think, so it, above the I host. think the more I think about it, I didn't like it watching the movie, but I look back <laughs> and I didn't like it at all watching it. And then I look back and I'm like, everything about this seems pretty good to me in hindsight. But I think that's fine. I think movies can be that. I think that's also very interesting being like, I'm not sure if this, this movie is good or really like up my alley, but it's, it's fascinating and really interesting. I like what it's doing. And I want to reward what it's doing um, as opposed from just like subjective response. Um, that would, I, I think it has five below the X map space because it's pretty much the greatest movie made. Um, and above the host is perfect. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm fine with locking it in. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah above the host, below X map space. I keep feeling better about extra space being where it is too. Uh, now that it's in four and yeah. what's around it, it makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. Done. Good. All right. Let me just um, usher open the door. Our, our guests back in. Yep. Open the door and insert some foley here, I guess. Oh God, um, that dog was so big and red. It's so anyway. big. And John Cleese was there, which really I did not want. Oh, to be the case. I did not. I had a horrible conversation with that old man. <laughs> <laughs> He has views on Brexit, turns out. Um, oh, God. How do we feel? Uh, how do you two feel specifically about the outcome of the ranking? I'm um, very surprised that Big Man Japan went that high, to be honest. Okay. He's so big. I'm very happy about it. He's so big. Um, yeah, Yongri. Yeah, I completely agree with Yongri. As long as it's below Cloverfield, it's fine. <laughs> Gongri. Yeah, um, um, as long as the X from Outer Space doesn't get you know, topple anytime soon. You know, I'm happy. <laughs> that movie's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, I'm pretty thrilled that a a, a definitive Ben core film uh, mm. hit, hit the, the top, top fiver. It yeah. hit a to- it hit the it's top, top five. Um, and I think Yangri. I mean, I think it's either perfectly placed or could have gone even lower. Um, it's inoffensive, yeah. but it's also just it's very forgettable too. Um, yeah. Between yeah. mid-tier Gamera seems sufficient to me because it is yeah. a, a low-tier Gamera but film it, itself. But at least it is like it's a. I, I will always give credit to it's a different franchise and a different mm-hmm. monster. If it didn't spawn a franchise, like it's a new thing, and introducing a monster is always sure. one of the yeah. key thrills of the kaiju genre is being like that's a cool new thing and introducing Yongri. Yongri is a monster I like a lot. He's no Polgasari, Polgasari, well, and no, he's no X Mount Space. I look at all these movies, and Big Man Japan is so different from all of them. I mean. Mm. Good, Even different. the appearance is good, different from all of them. Uh, yeah, I have to say, um, for for Ben's benefit, um, puts the Ben in benefit. Um, as a fan of um, Big Man Japan, when you are able to, if you can check out, um, okay, let me get the name of the correct, the tailored twelve day monster that died in eight. I think that's what it's called. How did you cover that? Yeah. Which is from a director that you like, Ben. I know that. Um, it's the Twelve Day Monster. The Twelve Day died. Tale of the Monster oh. that Died that in died Eight. eight. Yes, yeah, sorry, that I couldn't title. remember that title. Um, I'm sure in Japanese it flows really nicely, but it's like the Guernsey Literary, literary and Potato Peel Pie Society of Kaiju movies. Um, 
This <laughs> is check just for Jack. I know the just currency for me. literally. Oh, oh, this is yeah. This is the one directed by Shunji Awai, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's and it's they are very stylistically and formally very different films, but are both like here's a very different kind of like realist take on kaiju as an idea rather than as a genre. Um, so I think you would dig it and you'd get more out of it than I did um, with your your wider knowledge of the cinema and the movements around it. Um, Thank you very much to both of you for, for joining us here. It's always a delight to see you, Jack, um, though you just like hang out in the back. We can't not yeah. get him here. He just, <laughs> just stays. Um, yeah, like a I big forced my way into the Zoom calls. Yep. <laughs> he just lingers in the Zoom, so he's just always just <laughs> open. Um, but Ben, we knew it was going to be a delight to have you here, and we are so happy that you could, could join us. Um, before we leave, as always, we'll do a very click clean click jesus christ <laughs> quick clean <laughs> plugging segment in which i do no malaprops and get nothing wrong so ben plug ahoy away ahoy plug plug ahoy right. <laughs> what a handoff plug ahoy <laughs> you want to see great plugging then jack's gonna plug a thing later that's got some really good plugging in it just saying <laughs> all right so um i do not have too much to plug although most importantly good. Uh, there is the Japanuary 2022 challenge coming up. You can find it on Letterboxd. Uh, you can specifically find me on Letterboxd at Brazy Benjamin. There's no space or anything. I'm sure you use them as Ben is cute. Benny is cute. Sorry. Oh, that, must, yeah. that must be something else. If you um, if you want to search YouTube and find some Gears of War content, <laughs> Benny, Benny is cute might, <laughs> might provide you with something. Um, if I hit something up on Xbox 360. <laughs> but yes, Japanuary 2022 starts the 1st of January. Um, each day we will be looking at a different director from Japan and hopefully having great discussions and seeing lots of beautiful writing about their works. And uh, I did do a challenge in the summer called the Summer of South Korean Cinema. I failed my own challenge, but yes, yeah, so it still continues. I also failed it. it. I, I, fa I failed it in spectacular fashion, though, of completely ignoring my list and just watching every Hong Sang Soo movie. <laughs> I feel like that's a. I feel like you won in some regard. Like yeah, no, I, I found like, like, my favorite filmmaker, but like yeah. yeah. But um, th those are really my only plugs, and I hope that I can return to the show one day and maybe cover some of Calvin's uh, favorite films, like Monster Seafood Wars. Um, and and definitely, we'll like, to put it on the show. Is there is, like, why do you make me watch this? There is, there is at least merit to the calamari wrestler. I feel like Jack will agree with me on that one. So Man, put that on the poster. Hundred percent. There is at least merit. At least merit <laughs> is at least barely, to this movie. Barely a pass. It, it is a scholar of Japanese cinema. Listen, you guys <laughs> loved Virus way more than I thought you would, and this this kind of poses the question: like, what if Virus, but a wrestler? And I feel like yeah. that should be up your alley. No, no, <laughs> that totally is. Yeah. So yeah, that that is all I have to, to plug. Oh oh, actually, I have one more thing to plug. Um, it doesn't yes. actually exist yet, but great Jack, plug. <laughs> but Jack and I will also be dropping a podcast in January. Um, that month we will cover Japanese films, but the podcast is mostly going to be covering Asian film or films from all over Asia. Um, and hopefully each time we'll cover two films. Jack will pick one. I'll pick one. And uh, we hope to deepen our knowledge and everyone else's and hopefully mm. have some fun along the way. 
Excellent. So I'll just say, just watch that space. There's nothing else to reveal there yet because it's very much nothing you know, yet be, be, being made. So to find out about that, um, do follow um, Ben on Letterbox, where you'll find those things happen. And of course, follow Jack on Letterbox, and he's about to tell you how. Yeah, follow me on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter and Instagram. Follow me wherever. Follow me in the streets. It's JCKDVNPRT. It's Jack Davenport without the vowels. Couldn't afford the vowels. Ran out of money. Uh, what else do I do? <laughs> Stephen and I do things from time to time outside of this when I just yeah. jump into Calvin Zoom calls. Um, Stephen <laughs> plus Jack equals stacks. It's a very weird sort of... Um, uh, collision of names that we came up with very briefly. It's a backroom. I admit it's a backroom. It's a backroom. We host an award ceremony every year. I say every year. We've done it once. But... <laughs> yes, <every year. laughs> we have committed new... to doing it every year from now. But... <laughs> TheTwinGeeks.com is the new home for all your stacks-related media, and we have recently started a new series where Stephen and I um, learn about the Fast and Furious films with our friend Vaughn. And yeah. it turns out we don't know anything. So no. I'm going through those <laughs> like, films. That is the Stacks and the Curious. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of the episode, you're like, they're joking. They know those movies. Everyone does. And then Vaughn starts asking his questions. And you don't believe how little we know about them. Mm -hmm. and how few of the films in the franchise we can even name. So Absolutely. there you go. I've seen Young Green. Sorry, Jack, remind uh, us. Who's, who's, your favorite, um, who's your favorite Fast and Furious character? Just remind us. Oh, that would have to be uh, Gus Smolder. <laughs> Or Don Diesel. <laughs> or Don Diesel. Two names that are very real. So yeah, yeah we're at um, uh, thetwingeeks.com. But you know that because you know that. Come on. Yeah. There you go. I know, I'm, um, uh, I'm busy. Um, I guess I'll plug Ahoy too. I'm, I'm busy uh, signing off on content that I haven't seen yet. So uh, very <laughs> yeah, excited really to should watch that. experience that. It's um, very, very racist. It's ex horribly <laughs> racist. <laughs> Wait, I, you must have added bits because... I don't know. Goes in line with our other podcast, then. So, um, the, the, the Twin Geek Cast. Uh, yeah. you, you can find us. We started ranking things too. We stole the structure of this show and we ranked all the Rankin and Bass specials the last month. Mm, uh, so, I you can that. find that this week. Um, and we'll be back with uh, Catherine Bigelow movies <gasps> next month. Yes. So, that'll be really cool. Um, that'll be cool. And if we can find the budget, we'll keep buying Jack's podcasts, um, help him out, get his fouls back. Absolutely. Please, please help. That would be nice. Um, so yeah, as always, um, thetwingeeks.com, your home for good writing about often good films, sometimes bad ones, um, a bunch of reviews, because it's award season-y time, so all those big movies. I know that um, the makers of Belfast specifically thanked Calvin for his review of the movie. That was a fun thing. What? So, um, so go, <laughs> That's cool. Go read um, Calvin. Oops. <laughs> Buried in the review of the movie is so good they let him watch the screening of his family as a thank you. <laughs> Almost as if that was a generic reply to all reviewers and they should have looked at what <laughs> Calvin gave to that movie and what he said about it. But that was Oops. very funny. Um, Thanks for so, the yeah. encouraging support with your three out of ten review. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really put bums in the seats. Um, so yeah, um, reviews of big movies. I mean, you can take this, your Spider-Man takes, your Matrix takes, um, and Silent Night takes, I guess. And New York Ninja takes. Hell yes. Um, then the podcast, this podcast, please rate um, on iTunes. I hear, I, sorry, Apple Podcasts, I hear that Spotify is getting um, rankings of podcasts onto it. So when they do that, if okay. you could drop us a, a rating, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, Twin Geeks cast, obviously, three letters and five mics, a few hip-hop heads out there. Good, I said that well. And 
I was blanking all the other one was, I'm in it. And then I'm thinking of spoiling things um, with myself and Vaughn taking on new releases. There should be an episode of House of Gucci soon, um, which is a movie. And you should listen to us talk about it because we disagree on that movie for the first time yet. Um, so, Ooh. Mm, he thinks it's bad. He's wrong. Um, so <laughs> until next time, I'll give us our traditional sign off. Thank you again for joining us. We shouldn't long for other planets, but make Earth a place free of wars and traffic accidents. Must sit down.